Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. It is PCOS Awareness Month. And here to talk about it with us today is Dr. Anuja Dokris. Dr. Dokris is Director of Penn Polycystic Ovary Syndrome Center, the Medical Director of Reproductive Surgical Facility, the Director of the Penn Pre-Implantation Genetic Diagnosis Program, the Chair of the Gynecological Team, the Women's Health Service Line, and is a Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. We are unbelievably honored and pleased to have her. Uh, Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I am honored to be here. It's always a pleasure. Now, you'll be speaking at the upcoming PCOS Awareness Symposium in Philadelphia on uh, September the 25th. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and the symposium overall? Sure. No, I'm very excited to talk about it. I go a long ways back with respect to PCOS Challenge, which is one of the patient support groups that's very active in the U.S., but I'm pleased to inform our listeners that there are PCOS support, patient support groups in other countries as well that are doing a fantastic job with bringing patients together and helping them through their journey. When I was president of the AEPCOS Society, that year I named the theme of our year was the year of the patient. And that's how I got involved with the patient support groups. And we decided to have a patient educational symposia and awareness symposia in different cities around the country. And they started off with Philadelphia. And so I'm really pleased that they're coming back to Philadelphia again this year. And they've had symposia in Atlanta, in Orlando, even on the West Coast. I want to say Philly is one of their popular cities because we have a good turnout every time there's a symposium. And really the idea here is education, increasing awareness both for patients, patient support systems. So we often have parents come with the young girls and adolescents, partners come with patients who have PCOS. And um, it is, it's, a, it's a family event, and that's important for them to have their support system be able to attend something like this. In the last couple of years, I've also seen some of the topics targeted towards healthcare providers, and that's been very useful because this is truly a multidisciplinary field. This year, I'm going to be speaking on maternal health and and postpartum complications in PCOS. This was an area that was not very well studied till the last few years. It was just two years ago now that we published a paper looking at a fairly large data set that showed that women, both in pregnancy but in the postpartum period, are at an increased risk for complications related to their cardiovascular health as well as mental health. And that's become an important topic that they do want to highlight through this symposium. And as long as we're on that subject, and for maybe some who might not know, there is no known exact cause for PCOS. So how do you make the diagnosis? You've dedicated your life to obstetrics and gynecology. This is something you're still very passionate about. How do you make that diagnosis? Yeah, so the diagnosis of PCOS has been difficult, complicated, and has been an issue that's caused significant concern both for physicians as well as patients. And in fact, when we uh, did a survey of patients both in the U.S. and Europe, one of the commonest 
reasons for dissatisfaction with PCOS is the diagnostic experience. And patients told us that they took between six months to two years to actually get their diagnoses. Sometimes they saw three or four different physicians before the diagnosis was established. So very frustrating. And so the answer to how is the diagnosis made, it's made based on what we call the Rotterdam criteria. And the only reason being that several years ago, there was a meeting in Rotterdam when ASRM and ESHRAE came up with a consensus diagnosis and hence the name. And two years ago in 2018, again, a team of international experts got together and endorsed these Rotterdam criteria with some modifications. And these are now called the international PCOS guidelines. So we have three criteria that we use to make the diagnosis. The first one being that the woman will have irregular periods. And this is defined as less than a certain number of periods within a year, less than eight periods within a year, maybe six. But the irregularity is important and making sure that there aren't other conditions that mimic it, like thyroid problems, prolactin problems. Once in a while, it may even be premature menopause, and we don't want to miss that. So we want to make sure that we rule out other causes, and then we say the irregular periods are because of PCOS. And then the second criteria is um, excesses, excessive male hormone levels and manifestations of that. And that would be excessive acne beyond the teenage years. It could be increased hair growth, primarily in the midline of the body. So not just hair on the hands and legs, but upper lip, chin, chest. So the midline areas. And then the third criteria is a very typical appearance, which we call polycystic ovarian morphology, which can be identified by performing an ultrasound. So two out of these three criteria give us the diagnosis of PCOS. But again, it's not as simple as that because you can imagine some women have two which are different from the two another woman may have, and hence there's heterogeneity in all of this. And it still adds to some confusion while making the diagnosis as much as we've tried to streamline the diagnostic criteria. I do want to say it's not perfect as yet. Well, of course, yeah, of course. And this leads me to my next question then is that what should physicians do to educate patients then? Let's say that they're pretty sure that PCOS is occurring a bit. What's the next step? And, and a number of things. So the next steps would depend on what the patient is coming to you for and what are the needs of the patient. It would be addressing these three criteria, the diagnostic criteria, if the patient has irregular periods, excessive bleeding, unpredictable bleeding. It would be addressing those challenges. If they are bothered by the excessive hair growth or the acne, it would be addressing that. And in addition to addressing the diagnostic criteria, it's also looking at the long-term comorbidities. So women with PCOS tend to have a tendency to gain weight more than somebody who doesn't have PCOS. And weight-related, there's an increased risk of cardiometabolic issues. So we do recommend and suggest screening women for diabetes, cholesterol problems on a very regular ongoing basis to check their blood pressure and BMI at every visit, to screen them for anxiety and depression. So there's good data now that suggests that women with PCOS are at an increased risk for both depressive and anxiety symptoms. And we don't want to miss this because it's really very closely interrelated with the cardiometabolic risk. 
So screening them for anxiety and depression becomes important. And then talking to them about their fertility and the impact of PCOS on long-term fertility. Now, not everybody is going to be interested in pregnancy or one pregnancy at the time when they see the uh, physician, but addressing it is critical because it's, it's on their mind. They're thinking about it and it's all on social media that PCOS is going to affect their fertility. So addressing fertility, but not only focusing on fertility and making sure that we address some of the other comorbidities is critical. It's not misinformation, but it's not quite enough information that they're right. that, that they're finding mm-hmm. out there. I'm speaking today with Dr. Nuja Dokris. It's PCOS Awareness Month. She will be speaking at the upcoming PCOS Awareness Symposium in Philadelphia on September the 25th, 2021. We will post a link to that in our show notes so folks can go and check that out. I know you are an extremely busy person, so I, I have one last question for you today. Is there anything on the horizon in the research dealing with PCOS that we can look forward to reading about in the next year or so? So many things. These are exciting times for PCOS. There's been an exponential growth in the number of studies and the number of investigators who have come into our field, and so we are very excited about it. There will be information and there are studies trying to address, I can talk about our own studies, looking at what is the first line treatment for women with PCOS. Do we prescribe metformin to everyone? Do we give everybody birth control pills? We really don't have answers to some of the very basic needs. I talked about obesity being a major concern. We really don't understand which is the best diet for women with PCOS. How does exercise influence weight management? And what do we do with all these new weight loss medications that are now available? They're, they're exciting. They're out there on the horizon. But what is the more precise impact in PCOS? And then there is data on, as you mentioned, we don't know the exact etiology, but we don't even know the exact pathophysiology, by which I mean, are these male hormones coming just from the ovaries or do they come from the adrenal glands? There's some exciting data talking about adrenal androgens contributing to PCOS and some of the manifestations. So a lot of information, animal models that are helping us get our answers. I think pharma is coming into the space and giving us some exciting information. So a lot to look forward to. And I think these are good times for PCOS as a field. Well, we are very excited, especially at at ASRM, to hear that. Thank you so much for being able to take time out and please continue to be well. And we look forward to seeing you soon. I hope in October in person ourselves at at our annual meeting. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you for having me and good luck with ASRM. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody in person. Absolutely. I'm Jeffrey Hayes and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. 
These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.